Shalom everyone, this is Ty Green. I just want to share on what just happened between Saudi and Iran. They've agreed to restore ties after years of tensions. This was the result of a closed meeting in guess where? You guessed it, China. Just that news alone, we can see the common thread. Bricks. Keep in mind that both Saudi and Iran are among the new members expected to join up officially as a result of that upcoming meeting in August. Check out that 180 days video that was recently posted for more details of that. Many news reports covering this recent event describe it as surprising, shocking. We're not surprised because we've been looking at this within scripture. Let's briefly review the news and then touch on scripture. Of hours ago, rivals Iran and Saudi Arabia agreed to restore diplomatic relations after years of tensions. It's a deal brokered by Beijing. For both Tehran and Riyadh said they will arrange for the return of their ambassadors and attempt to improve bilateral relations. Welcome to the news. In a surprise move, Saudi Arabia and Iran have announced that they're resuming diplomatic ties. In a coup for China, the deal was struck in Beijing after four days of secret talks. It follows seven years of hostility between the Saudi Arabian Kingdom as it broke off official relations with Tehran. Both countries have pledged to reopen their embassies within the next two months. Iran's top security official said the deal aims to consolidate Tehran's ties with nations across the Islamic world. We have been here in Beijing for six days. I held talks with my Saudi counterpart that led to the agreement to normalize relations. We agreed with Saudi Arabia to open a new page based on the interests of the two countries and on regional security and to promote stability instead of exacerbating tensions. We hope this will contribute to the establishment of security and development in the region and balance the behavior of foreign powers and their distance from our region to which they came without permission. We look forward to this agreement contributing to the consolidation of our relations not only with Saudi Arabia, but also with the countries of the region and the Islamic world. The enemy, especially the Zionist entity, feels frustrated and despaired by this agreement. Our diplomatic editor James Bayes is standing by at the United Nations headquarters in New York, as is our White House correspondent Kimberly Halkett in Washington, D.C. But first, let's chat to Ali Hashem, who's live for us in Tehran. And Ali, let's just begin with what has been agreed. Well, uh, Suhail, what has been agreed is restoring diplomatic ties between the two countries that's been severed since uh, 2016. That means in uh, around two months from now, there is going to be meetings uh, between the uh, officials of the Islamic Republic of Iran, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and mainly uh, officials in the foreign ministry, and they will agree on the uh, roadmap to restoring uh, relations. Uh, ambassadors will uh, get back to, their, uh, to, the, to both capitals, uh, Saudi ambassador to Tehran, Iranian ambassador to uh, Riyadh. Let's cross over to James Bayes, our diplomatic editor at the United Nations. And let's say, you know, this is breaking news, really, James. We're all getting used to uh, this uh, conversation that's been developing uh, and the news that's coming out of the Middle East. Uh, what's the reaction where you are? 
Well, certainly the United Nations is welcoming this. The Secretary General uh, was briefed on it first thing this morning as soon as the news emerged here in New York and a very positive reaction. He believes that this could be good news for the entire region. We heard Ali talk about uh, the situation in countries like Lebanon and Iraq. Yemen, I think, is the one where the UN will be most, uh, most interested in this. Can they actually bring the war in Yemen to a proper negotiated settlement. We have a very uneasy truce that's been in place. Uh, it's nearly now eight years. In the next few days, it'll be eight years since Saudi Arabia uh, intervened in Yemen, and they've been bogged down there ever since. That, I'm sure, is one of the motivations uh, from uh, the Saudi side. Uh, of course, there are important implications with regard uh, to Israel. Israel is the one country I think is not going to like this. Uh, they had been hoping that the US would persuade uh, Saudi Arabia to join the Abraham Accords, uh, get better relations with Israel and completely isolate Iran. That's what Prime Minister Netanyahu wants and it's not what he's going to get. I think the overwhelming thing that I'm seeing from this is, is, is a very different approach now to Saudi uh, foreign policy. Traditionally, before Mohammed bin Salman, who now steers the strategy uh, for the Saudi kingdom, uh, Saudi Arabia very much was in the US camp on everything. But this deal, it was brokered today in China. And at the same time, the Saudi foreign minister uh, was in Russia talking about his good relations uh, with Russia. It's worth pointing out the Saudi foreign minister also was recently in Ukraine and they have offered themselves as a mediator in that conflict. But I think Saudi Arabia now believes mm. uh, that it can't just focus on the US. It needs, to, it needs to look at all of the players in a multipolar world. Thank you. Kimberly Halkett joins us now uh, from the White House, our White House correspondent. Kimberly, you know, as the news has been breaking, you know, we've been trying to get reaction from Washington. They'll be dealing with an issue of uh, the, uh, Saudi being a long-term ally and Iran being a long-term adversary. Yeah, and speaking of adversaries, the uh, White House seems to be somewhat sensitive that its other adversary, China, is the one that seems to have brokered this deal in terms of now the resumption of, of ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And uh, when asked about this, the spokesperson, John Kirby, somewhat sensitive when speaking with reporters, really pushing back on the assertion that perhaps there is some waning diplomatic power in the part of the United States, that usually it's the United States that is brokering these type of agreements or, or uh, sort of understandings and uh, really pushing back on this, saying that the United States was welcoming this, seeing it through the lens of efforts to help end the war in Yemen and de-escalate the tensions in the Middle East, uh, and still acknowledging, though, that it did not have a hand in any of this. Uh, and in fact, though, saying that uh, de-escalation and diplomacy is still a key pillar of the Biden administration's uh, policies that they brought to Saudi Arabia just last year, but at the same time admitting that they were not in any way involved in the discussions that ultimately brought about this understanding between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Now, we know that in regards to Israel, before they get into the trouble that begins their 70th week, we can expect the tensions to rise there and some bold moves that will set the stage even further. What happened with 
The deal between Saudi and Iran points more to that multipolar world power described as a beast in Revelation chapter 12. As we're watching this, we were also looking to identify the lion. It was between Great Britain and Iran as this was based upon the national animals of the main BRICS nations. Remember Revelation chapter 13 verse 2 Apostle John says this, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. This points to the BRICS nation of India whose national animal is the tiger, right? There are no tigers in the Bible, but it is like unto a leopard just like scripture says and his feet were as the feet of a bear both russia and china are BRICS nations that have bears as their national animals and his mouth as the mouth of a lion this is the one we're still watching to see what country fulfills this role it looks more like iran and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Don't forget that China is not the dragon in this particular symbology. The Bible tells us this plainly in Revelation 12 verse 9 that Satan is that dragon. So we were not shocked nor surprised at this recent development between Saudi and Iran with China involved. As it is watching this solidify just as the Word of God says. When the BRICS meeting happens in August and they expand their membership from 5 to 10 with the addition of Saudi, Iran, Egypt, Turkey, and Argentina, this will not be the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 and 2. This would be the Ten Horns. The crowns upon the horns will still need to be revealed in addition to the scenario that we see in Daniel chapter 7. The crowns are very important because this is what Apostle John sees upon the horns as this beast rises in verse 1. Keep that in mind. These crowns appear to speak to the monarchies connected to this beast. Saudi is a monarchy but it will be a member of BRICS therefore classify as a horn. The monarchies are the crowns associated with the horns. They are together but not the same. This role appears to be fulfilled by the monarchies of OPEC plus. Excluding Saudi Arabia there are 11, seven of which in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, one in Bahrain, one in Brunei, one in Oman, and one in Kuwait. We'll see how this develops. Now, when this beast comes on the scene, it will be a multipolar world power that will cause fear, and it will be dreadful as the breaking up happens all over the world. Mystery Babylon is still around as we see her riding the beast in Revelation chapter 17, verse 3. The Apostle John records this, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, 
having seven heads and ten horns. Note the absence of the crowns. Still looking at that. This points to the unipolar world power and the multipolar world power existing at the same time until they destroy her in verse 16. And the ten horns which thou saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. What we're watching right now is a change in world power, and the Bible describes it. Folks are catching on to what BRICS is in the upcoming alternative reserve currency backed by commodities. We know Saudi brings the oil. Iran has been under sanctions for years, but here's what they bring to the table. According to the EIA, the U.S. Energy Information Administration, Iran was the fifth largest crude oil producer in OPEC in 2021 and the third largest natural gas producer in the world in 2020. It holds some of the world's largest deposits of proved oil and natural gas reserves, ranking as the world's third largest oil and second largest natural gas reserve holder in 2021. At the end of 2021, Iran accounted for 24% of oil reserves in the Middle East and 12% in the world. Despite its abundant reserves, Iran's crude oil production has fallen since 2017 because the oil sector has been subject to underinvestment and, watch this, international sanctions for several years. So, Iran brings oil and natural gas to the table. But look at who their top trading partners are. China, the UAE, India, Turkey, and Germany. Note that China and India are BRICS nations. Turkey and the United Arab Emirates are applicants to join BRICS. Here's another note. Iran has announced that it discovered the world's second largest lithium deposit, estimated at 8.5 million tons. Gonna need some of that if everyone is to switch to electric vehicles, right? But who has the largest lithium deposits in the world? That would be Chile, with 9.3 million tons, and they are considered as a potential candidate to join China's Belt and Road Initiative. So as we watch biblical prophecy unfold, we can see where it's headed. And what just happened with Saudi and Iran with China confirms it even more. We don't have much time before the bottom falls out and the collapse happens. This is just the economic piece to it. Folks are still trying to figure out BRICS and the impact it will have on the world stage. But scripture lays it all out. This is not so that we will be in fear. It is to encourage faith faith in Jesus Christ. It is to encourage us to repentance 
and toward salvation through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the richness of his grace. 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today is the day of salvation. You can be prepared to meet God right now. You must believe in your heart that Jesus died for you on that cross. For we have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. For we all have a sin debt that we cannot pay. The wages of sin is death, right? So we must trust in what Jesus did for us upon that cross. We must believe it with our hearts and confess it with our mouths. Jesus was buried and on the third day, God raised him up. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So just come as you are. Look at this, Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All right, I will leave it right there. We must use our remaining time wisely. Amen. Live holy before the Lord. Love y'all. Shalom.